0: Hey, this is Joey Rumble. I'm the pastor of Summerbrook Church in Somerville, South Carolina, and this is our podcast. I hope the message you listen to today speaks to your heart and helps you connect with Jesus and grow in Him. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. Good to see you. If you would, go ahead and pull out your message notes and join with me online today. You can, it, they're on the Church Center app, it's there, it's in your info guide. Good to have you as well online, looking forward to diving in uh, with you today. Let's pray and ask for the Lord to open our hearts. Lord, we love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness in our lives, Lord God. You are an amazing, amazing God, and we give you praise, glory, and honor. And everyone said together, amen. amen, amen. Let's dive in and uh, journey together. You know, um, is that me? Is that... Sounds like a messed up chord to me. I'll try and sit just right and uh, we'll, we'll go with that. I, I feel good right here. So uh, this, uh, this is my, uh, my chair that I bought at a, a garage sale for 10 bucks, 10 bucks. So I brought it back again this week. We had it last week, brought it again this week. But I also brought my side table. Uh, where I, So this is how, when I have devotions, 80% of the time, it's in this chair, and, and I'll have this side table where I put my Bible, uh, put, put my coffee. I, I got my um, coffee here, and actually, this is the mug I used this morning, when I was having devotion time, so I brought it here to church, and I enjoy coffee, Uh, I used to, as a teenager, I would drink orange juice, and the youth pastor who was discipling me shared with me, he says, hey, it's about time you started drinking some coffee, boy, and so I I picked up coffee, I'm not sure that was a great discipleship move on his part, but here I am many years later still drinking coffee, so instead of orange juice. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 34, if you would turn there with me, Psalms 34, uh, verse 8. I love this passage of Scripture, Psalms 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is Good. I love how Scripture uses this uh, language of sensory language. That, that, As I'm drinking a cup of coffee and uh, enjoying coffee, that the Lord wants us to taste and see that He is good in our time with the Lord as we sit at the Lord's feet. It's a time to really experience God's love. And as we're continuing our series, God Loves You, I want every one of us to Really, continue to taste and see that the Lord is so good in our lives. For us to really begin to be all that God calls us to be, we need to begin to discover this. And we're going to look today at uh, Luke 15, and in the, I, I love this passage of Scripture. It, it's where the the, the Lord uh, helps people understand how much He loves them. It's one of those of many snapshots of the love of God. And, it, and it, what happens is Jesus is uh, being accused, and w- rightly so, of having dinner with publicans, with, with sinners. He, he's uh, being accused of uh, uh, hanging around those who are unrighteous and are sinners. And, and so the Pharisees and the scribes are angry at him. And so he gives them three examples of the scripture. He uses the uh, the lost coin, there's 10 coins and one's lost. He uses the uh, the sheep where he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And then he brings into insight the prodigal son where uh, uh, the, the son, and we're going to look at that today. So we're going to look in the passage of scripture of the prodigal son. Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate that. Oh, I'm good on that. Yeah. That's all right. I'll be all right. I'm all good. Thank you, though. Thank you so much for being on that. Um, And the third one is the prodigal son. So I want us to start out right there in the first part of the passage. In Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 13. And this is what it shares. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered the property in reckless living. So I I love the heart of the father here that God with the son, that he gives him his freedom of choice. And we learn from this that God loves you enough not to force you to stay. He loves you enough to give you free choices. And let's continue in this passage in Luke 15, 14 through 19. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, uh, the NIV and uh, New American Standard says, when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I love this point in the passage because what happens, he comes to his senses. He wakes up. He, he, in fact, your feeling there is he gets off the highway of denial. Have you ever been there? where you're on the highway of denial, I'm not living in sin. I'm not ruining my life. I'm not wrecking my marriage. I'm not squandering what God's given to me. I'm good. Have you ever been on that highway to denial and then all of a sudden you come to your senses? What am I doing? I'm wrecking my life. What am I doing? I'm wrecking those around me that love me. I'm helping contribute to wrecking their lives. And, and uh, if you've ever been there, where you, the key is to get off that highway of denial and come to your senses and begin to realize, wait a second, what am I doing with this life of mine? And that's such a key part of the prodigal son is he had to come to the place. He's like, I am destroying my life. I'm ruining it. Part of us coming to the place of getting off the uh, highway of denial is experiencing pain from the decisions and us suffering consequences of those decisions, I don't know about you, but I would say he's suffering some serious consequences here amen he really is, and so he's getting off the highway of denial and then this is I love this uh, and I want you to put this in your notes that you're filling repentance he's coming to the place of repentance, and repentance is your homecoming. Scripture says the Hebrew word of repent in the Old Testament has a lot of that homecoming language to it, that we need to come to the place where repenting is to return, to what? Come back home. That's why we titled the message today, Homecoming, that every one of us need to come back home. We need to repent of our ways and come back home, and that's exactly what happens here in the prodigal son As he returns, he comes back Home. Now, what I want us to do is, I I want us to look at two scenarios that the um, the sun here. See if I can make it about five more minutes, but I can't. So I'm going to go to handheld. Got to be more um, nice to my wire. Those things, you bend them too much, they, they fray on you, and then you get all that feedback. Got to be kinder. Got to work on that with my wire. Uh, You got to be friends with your your mic. You can't be playing around with that. You can't have distractions. You got to have the word be able to present without that. How did Jesus ever preach without microphones and have so many lives changed? I don't get it. So we're going to look at uh, two scenarios here this morning of the prodigal son. The first one is what he's rehearsing in his mind, which is the walk of shame. The prodigal son is his first one is is what we what I call uh, the walk of shame. And so I, I've asked Adam to come up here and uh, help us with a scenario one, which is uh, the prodigal son contemplating in his mind if he goes back to the father and and, and does the walk of shame. So here's the first scenario. Why did I do that? Father, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Can you please make me like one of your hired servants and let me stay, Father? I'm so sorry. I gave you all I had. I divided the inheritance to you. You shamed the family name, but now you're going to come back. Now you're going to come back expecting forgiveness when you've shamed the family. That's scenario one, that was processing with the prodigal son. Now let's look at scenario two, which is the Lord sharing the reality, the truth. Let's look at scenario two. So the first one was the walk of shame. The second one shows us the true Father's heart. Son, you're back home. You're back home. Welcome home. Son, you've returned. Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. What are you doing? Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Bring the fattened calf. My son who was lost is found. He was dead but is alive again. Son, it is so good to have you back. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We love you so much. Thanks for returning. So I got a question for you. Which scenario that when you've blown it and you've repented and you're coming back to the Lord, do you have playing? Are you saying I need to take the walk of shame back to the Lord? Or are you realizing what the Father's heart truly is here of your forgiveness? It's so crucial here that we don't miss this with the prodigal son. When he comes back to the Lord in repentance, he's been in the pig slot. He's been in the, uh, the pig grease and the pods. He's been in all of it. He's like, no, no. He comes to his senses. He comes back to the Father's heart. Not that God's pleased with him living in this sin, but the Father's heart is, even while he's living in this sin, he loves him. He wants to see him return. He wants him to come home. And God loves us. So as we repent and run to the Lord, I want you to know God doesn't ask us to take the shame walk. When we repent, come back to him. This is why. This is great because we look at the cross and baptism today. Jesus took our shame upon himself on the cross. And the baptism is a sign of how an outward change, of a, it's an outward example of an inward change where we realize that our life is in, intersected with Jesus and what he's done For us, and so as we've repented, we've come to know Christ, we're letting the whole world know, No, no, I'm done with that way of living, I'm going to come to the Lord. But so many times we have this uh, mentality of the shame walk back to the Lord, and so what happens, we don't run to Him when we're in our place of sin, we're in our place of, uh, uh, of knowing that we need the Lord, we're scared to go to Him because of our sins. I'm telling you, church, no, that's not the gospel. That's not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is to come to him, repenting, running to the Father, and he loves you. He's got good plans for you. Thank God we don't have to take the shame walk. Amen? Amen. Give it up for Adam here this hey, hey, morning. Give me one more. <laughs> one more. <laughs> good job, Adam. Thank you. This part changed my life. When I realized that God loves me just as much in my sin and when I'm living in that sin as when I'm not. When I'm in rebellion or I'm choosing to do my own thing, God loves me just as much as while uh, I'm resisting that and and I'm walking in a place of uh, just victory. Now, He's not pleased with that rebellion. No, 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 don't misunderstand. He's not pleased with it. Because he knows how much it's going to hurt him, or hurt me, and he knows that that, that it's going to mess my life up, and it can impact others as well. He's not pleased with it, but, oh, he loves me just as much. And that's why we can end up breaking free from the struggle of sin by knowing the love of God. So I want to encourage you. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture and really dig into it together. In Luke Luke 15, verse 20 through 24, I share, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. That, this passage shouts to Hebrews 12 verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus took our shame on the cross. Not only that, he took the walk of shame so that we wouldn't have to. The Via Della Rosa, as he took, as he was carrying his cross to Calvary, and he took that walk of shame so that we don't have to. That is such great news. I love how Scripture says that while the son was a long way off, and the father runs to him. Meaning, he, the father was watching for his son. And the father cast aside all behavioral conventions of that time as running was considered uh, to be undignified for an older, especially wealthy landowner. But literally, as Scripture says, if you look at the meaning of that, he literally fell on his neck because he loved his son so much. And this is what God's sharing. That the, the, the father was the example of who God is. And so as we look at this, I want us to break it down of these different things that he provided for his son. One, God loves you in your filth. And so as we run to him, I want you to know right now, he runs to you in your filth. He puts on him the the best robe. You know, Scripture talks about that uh, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. that He puts on us uh, the breastplate of righteousness, this robe of righteousness, because as we're in Christ, we are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That's absolutely amazing to think about. The ring, I believe, uh, symbolizes identity. Some scholars believe that the ring may have contained a seal, Indicating that he has been reconciled and welcomed back as a full member of the family. That he got, it, he got his identity back. The shoes provided there give them fresh purpose. And scripture talks about the gospel of peace, that providing stability as we return back to the Lord. And the fattened calf, I believe, shows that he is treasured. They, the, the fattened calf was what? Used for a, a, a great celebration. They were saving up for this uh, amazing celebration. It's a, uh, helping us understand that each one of us are treasured. I love what Tim Keller says in his book, The Prodigal God, about uh, the younger brother. He shares, the, in quoting him, The younger brother knew that in his father's house there was abundant food to spare. But he also discovered that there is grace to spare. Isn't that great news? That's why uh, uh, one of my breakthrough moments was understanding and quoting Tim Keller here, God loves you, therefore I obey. Not I obey, therefore God loves me. You see that little tweak? But it's a game changer. That right there will change your ability to fight sin. When you know you're dearly loved by God, and as we showed you, the the father running to the son in his filth, in forgiveness, as he repented, God is showing the love that he has for his kids. In that, what happens is, see, sin creates this separation between us and God. That when we uh, willfully partake in sin, it separates us from intimacy with God. So why willfully stay in that pig slot? Why willfully stay in that filth when it separates you from closeness with God? we got to break free of this. we got to realize, when you've got a God that loves you that much, it enables you, it enables you to say, I don't want to live in that sin anymore. I'm done with it. I'm done with that way of living. Not only that, listen to what sin does. It taints your ability to hear the Father's heart. It taints your ability to hear what God's saying to your life and what you need to do. It sets a poor example for other Christ followers. They they see the example that you're setting as as you're living in sin. you, You don't want other people to be missing that mark. Another thing it does what sin does is it hinders you from hearing What the Holy Spirit is saying that other people you love are going through. See, sin clouds your spiritual antenna of hearing the direction of the Lord. See all of this? That's why God loves you just as much. But when you start to understand that he loves you that much, but then you you see the ramifications of this and you feel the pain of it like the prodigal son, you come home. Church, where are you right now? Where do you need to come home? Where where is it that you've missed the mark, that you've begun to uh, not be at a place of repentance and running back to the Lord? If you get this right, I'm believing, if we get this right, the sin areas that we're struggling with, I believe we can break free of them. Because God breaks this in our hearts and lives when we know how dearly loved we are. Now, let me, before we continue on with the the prodigal son story here, before we continue on, I I, want to hit the word love real quick. Um, And in other times, I wouldn't need to uh, lean into it quite as much, but our culture today, what it does is it hijacks Words in scripture and twist them where Christians can end up being duped. They can end up being tricked and start not realizing that they have uh, started interpreting uh, certain words the wrong way. And and so I want to, Mama Bear Apologetics, uh, I'm going to read quote right from there. They have a chapter which, which is called Linguistic Theft. And it talks about biblical words and how our culture today is twisting those words where we end up with a wrong interpretation. So I'm just going to quote her a couple of pages here. And this is sharing about the word love. We, and this this Mama Bear Apologetics, so it's written to help people parent well. We, as parents, guardians, and caregivers, need to be especially aware of how words are being used. We can teach our children to love God, love their neighbor, and love their enemy. But what do we do when the concept of love is replaced by the shallow concept of comfort? For us to say or do anything that makes someone uncomfortable or offended is now considered unloving, and thus we are labeled as haters. Psalms ten eighteen extols God as a defender of the oppressed. So that will what will our kids do when asking a a stand what will our kids do when taking a stand against sin is interpreted as oppressive. According to the new definition, to defend the oppressed now requires affirming sin. We are seeing an unraveling of the basic moral fabric of society as we speak. And it is all being done through creatively redefining words affirmed in Scripture. Continuing on the word love. And the reason why I'm taking, there's other biblical words, but we're in the series God loves you right now. So we need to make sure we have the right understanding of it and what's going on. Love. This little, this one little word is an all-around favorite. Everyone loves love. Be, uh, provided they get to define it. Love used to be defined as to will to will the good of another. Anything that makes someone uncomfortable is now deemed unloving. Today, to love someone means to blindly accept whatever that person believes, even if his or her belief contradicts reality. Because listen to this: because God is love, I vote that He gets to define it. One of the most overlooked points in 1 Corinthians 13, also known as the love chapter, is that love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. When our kids are confused about where their loyalties should lie regarding love, we should point them to the side of truth. Granted, that means they need to know what the truth is. One more page of quoting her. We are called to be loving, but in love we should recognize and point out false definitions. Disagreement does not equal hate. This is so important as Christ followers to get. Let me be very clear: those who don't know the Lord, who aren't walking in obedience to the Lord, they shouldn't understand what biblical They don't understand what true biblical love is. But we as Christ followers cannot fall into conforming to culture and falling into that. So Christians should set the example. The church. Christians are the moral conscience of society. And when we all of a sudden... uh, lose our understanding of what true biblical love is, uh, we can, without even thinking, conform to the pattern of this culture. I am here today serving the Lord because several turning points in my life, I had a brother or sister in the Lord that spoke God's truth to me in love. It didn't mean that they hated me. They cared for my future. But while I'm walking in sin, I need to be spoken the truth in love so that I will repent and experience the loving Father's love. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, Love is speaking the truth. Part of love is speaking the truth of others so they don't destroy their lives and affect others in the same way. So we got to be real careful that word love. Matter of fact, Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter 5, verse 20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Church, we're doing that in our culture today. We're calling evil good and good evil. So if the church is the moral conscience of society, And the church compromises so that they they won't feel, uh, and not speak the truth in love, and society's moving more and more away from God. What happens to a society that continues to do that, where the church doesn't stand up to be the church? It ends up towards destruction. And so please, let's not get ripped off. Let's not let these biblical words get twisted in our own understanding. Let's make sure that we stand on, and if you disagree with someone, that's not hate. If you stand on God's word from a place, did you see what the father's heart was? Did you notice it? When the father saw the son, said he felt compassion. That's the way you're able to stand strong on God's word and speaking the truth in love. Do you have compassion while you're standing On the truth. That's a big key piece to it. All right. Let's continue on. Scripture says about the older son in Luke 15, 25 through 32. And we'll touch actually on that more next week, but I I just want to hit a couple of things on that. The older brother, and we'll look at it next week more much more so, but the older brother is angry. And the older brother is a comparison of the Pharisees and the scribes. As the Pharisees and scribes are grumbling, the older brother is angry because he's been serving his father all this time. And so all of a sudden, the the, the heart of the father is, is one that he wants us to be serving him from a place of love relationship where those who... He he wants us to live life to the full, to enjoy the journey with him, even in the midst of tough situations. So wherever you're serving the Lord, you're serving him from a a place of abundance for the Lord. A year ago, we had a great, just amazing brother go to be home with the Lord, Justin Yoder. And, And man, you talk about someone that served the Lord with joy my, it was just amazing how he, he knew he was loved by God and, and, and so it just poured out of how he served others. He was such a great symbol of what I'm talking about here, of, of serving God from a place of joy. And, and we, we interceded and prayed for God's healing in his life and, and God chose to take him home where he experienced total, complete healing. But those who were part of Summerbrook during that time, you know what a difference he made on our leading our safety team and was on our mission trip to Haiti and just a great man of God, of that joy. And and as I'm I'm sharing this about the prodigal son, I can't help but think about Justin and the, the times he touched my heart so much in his example. So I shared earlier, God loves me, therefore I obey. Not I obey Therefore, God loves me. In your sin, the key to being able to repent in the midst of it is knowing that God loves you so much that it's a homecoming. You're returning to your Father who loves you dearly and wants what's best for your life. So if each one of you would pull out, there's a Connect with Jesus card in your info guide. And I believe it's such a special day today with baptism. Uh, it be a, a, a great time to hit on that. There, there's a, those four cards. And the connect with Jesus card there, there's three things you can check. Uh, coming to know Christ for the first time. Reconnect with Jesus or that you need to be baptized. And we do a baptism part of, uh, part of Next Steps is our baptism class that you can be a part of to understand exactly all that baptism entails. But as you hold that card in your hand, if that's you, and you know you've drifted, but you need to come back home to the Lord, I want you to go ahead and check one of those because I'm going to lead you in prayer today. Others of you, you you know the Lord, but maybe there's uh, uh you you can say you know I, I it's not I'm connected with Jesus. I just got a few areas that may, I've been compromising on, I've been hiding. I've been holding some secrets. Well, it's time to come home. It's time to come home to your heavenly father and also find some other Christians that you can be honest with to to receive strength in the Lord. So I'm going to lead you in prayer of receiving Christ, of returning home. So let's pray together. And as I pray, if you would pray out loud with me, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that you're Lord. Lord, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. Lord, I'm returning to you. I'm coming home. Lord, these areas of sin I'm compromising in, I repent. Thank you that you run to me. God, thank you that you put your arms around me. That you're longing for me to come back. Thank you for that love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God is good. God is good.